coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you tackle your home improvement projects, which this time of year are probably your spring home improvement projects because it's finally here. Hooray! So is this going to be the year that your lawn and garden is going to be your best and your greenest ever? Well, it can be. We've got some tips on that this hour. With just a few easy steps, your lawn and garden can be full and green. We'll have those details just ahead. Yeah, considering all of the snow and coldness we've had this winter, I'm sure it did a great job preserving what was in the ground. So we're all looking forward to the greenness that's coming soon. (laughs) Also ahead, guys, could your bathroom use a pick-me-up? Cleaning the grout between your tiles can actually do wonders for the space and really make a huge difference. So general contractor Tom Silva from TV's This Old House is here to tell you how to do it. And home automation is hot these days, but if you think you need to be an IT genius to pull it off, well, you probably don't. Learn how simple home automation actually is, starting with the biggest part of your home's exterior, your garage door. And one caller this hour is going to win a Brillo prize pack, and that includes the new Brillo Sweep and Mop. It's got three-in-one technology, which means it will multitask in less time. It's a prize package worth $50 going out to one caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. So give us a call. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? All right, we've got Sal in Georgia on the line with a water heater that doesn't want to deliver hot and cold when he needs it. What's going on, Sal? Hey, my situation here is I installed a Whirlpool hot water heater. Okay. Uh, I've got plenty of hot water, but it doesn't maintain the temperature all the way through. I have turned it up from 120, to, which was factory set, to 140, so I get a little more hot water, but uh, it still doesn't maintain the temperature. I have to continuously, every four minutes or so, turn it up, turn the hot water up just a little bit. Is this electric water heater? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, are you running out of hot water quickly, Sal? No, I've got plenty of hot water. I can I can take a 15, 20-minute shower without running out of hot water. It just won't maintain the temperature. So when you say it won't maintain the temperature, will it not maintain the temperature while you're taking the shower? Or is that when you get sort of the hot and the cold? Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it, it just it keeps going cold on me. i got to keep turning the hot up just a little bit. Um, it may not necessarily be the water heater because what happens is if there's water being consumed anywhere else in the house... While this is happening, you may end up with an imbalance in the mix between hot and cold. And there's a simple solution to that, and it's called a pressure balance valve. And basically, you replace your shero valve with a pressure balance valve, and what that does is actually maintains the mix between hot and cold, regardless of what the pressure is in either line. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, uh, but it's just me and the wife at the house. So when I'm showering, she's not using the hot water, so that's the only thing. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me either because it just it, it seems like it would maintain it. Uh, I replaced the original water heater that was in the house, um, which was an old beat up water heater, but it maintained the temperature. It did run out of hot water a lot quicker. Do you notice this in any at any other fixture about the shower? I have not noticed. No, I mean the shower is the only one that would really be noticeable. But yes, yeah, no, I haven't noticed. Something like, for example, if you had um, a very slow leak in your toilet. And it was filling up like ghost flushing, and you may not even notice that this is happening. That can spill some water. If you're running a dishwasher, if you're running a washing machine, um, anything that could be going on in the house that could be pulling water, or even at the street, there could be an imbalance in pressure at the street that could be causing this. But the condition that you're describing is uh, very common, commonly associated with an imbalance of pressure. So I would start there, and Sal, I would start there, and, and, and if that doesn't solve it, 
then we can talk further, okay? All right. Sounds great. Thank you for your time. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Melanie in California on the line with a decorating question. What can we do for you today? I have um, untreated V. rusticmi, naughty pine, throughout the house. I would like to continue into a 8 by 12 bathroom with the same. Uh, is this the best application for the bathroom, and, or will untreated wood hold up to condensation? Now, where are you seeing this? On the walls, on the ceiling? Oh, well... I'd like to do the whole bathroom, yes, walls and ceiling. I would say, Leslie, that naughty, untreated <laughs> naughty pine is a really bad idea for a bathroom. Yeah. Um, I actually do have a bathroom that's got uh, pine wainscoting, but it's completely sealed. And it goes up about halfway up the, the wall. I, I would definitely not put unfinished wood in the bathroom because it's going to soak up the moisture. It's going to grow mold or mildew. And this is not going to look right. You can't clean it either. So a bad idea for the ceiling. That said, if you like the look of wood, there are many ceiling uh, tile products that, that do look quite a lot like wood. Okay. Um, we're limited. We're in a small area. So we're limited as far as... Hardware's going and paneling. We've checked out our local hardware stores. And um, where, where's the best place to find, oh, say, ceiling paneling? And Now, a clever, creative idea, which, you know, you might be able to source online, and perhaps you haven't looked at some of this in the local places to you, would be a laminate flooring. That's a plank that looks like a knotty pine. So that we could utilize that in the same application that you're talking about, but it's made to withstand high moisture situations because it's, you know, a manufactured product and not a natural product. Sure, sure. And that, because it's sold in planks, if you do have to order it online or if somebody, you know, has to order it from the vendor directly through your local stores, it ships really easily because of its packaging and being plank size. You're not going to have a hard time getting it in rather than a sheet product. Oh, okay. Very good. And, and it, I think that would look far better than a sheet product. We just, uh, I think that's... Oh, absolutely. Don't care for, the wainscoting or coating, how do you pronounce that? Is that? Um, I say wainscoting, but I, I think everybody says it every way. They feel like okay. tomato, tomato. Which is very attractive, <laughs> um, but we need to do this complete, uh, the walls. You don't have to. You could go partially up the walls and then trim off the top edge of it. Hmm. And then with, okay... It depends on what look you're going for. For example, Leslie, you've often given the uh, the suggestion that you can take an old door, turn it on its side, and that could be a wainscoting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that works out beautifully, especially because it gives you the paneling sort of built right into the door. The only issue there is that anywhere you've got an electrical outlet or something that might protrude from the wall, you're going to have to bump that out to accommodate the extra thickness of the door. Not a big deal, but it's an extra step. Boy, it sure is. I, oh, boy. Um Okay, well, thank you so much. That's that's a lot to think about, and I really like that plank flooring um, idea. I that was some, I thought that never even crossed my mind. So, no, or nor my husband's. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, woohoo! Got spring fever. At least the calendar says it's spring, and that is a start, guys. So we can only hope that nice, warm, happy, sunny, beautiful days are ahead of us. So let's get your home improvement calendar filled up so you can keep nice and busy and get outside and enjoy that sunshine. 
We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Still to come, learn how easy it is to make your home a smart home with no IT skills required. Live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is brought to you by Vigoro. The Vigoro brand offers quality products for your lawn and garden at the ultimate value. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Visit your local store today.
Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, you heard the saying, work smarter, not harder. Well, you can clean smarter, too, with this hour's giveaway. We've got a prize pack of Brillo products worth 50 bucks. Yeah, it's full of supplies that'll do the job right, including the new Brillo Sweep and Mop. It has three-in-one technology that will really change the way you clean your floors. Learn more at Brillo.com and give us a call now for your chance to win. The number is one 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Cody in Kansas on the line who has a sheetrock question. What can we do for you today? Well, we're actually renovating our kitchen and first renovation. We've never done this. We have wood paneling walls and I'm wondering, can you sheetrock over the wood paneling? Do we need to do a complete teardown and tear it out before you sheetrock? I mean, you could drywall on top of that, but I don't think it's a good idea. I think you're better off taking that old, those old wood walls down. Uh, you're going to get a much cleaner look when you're done, and uh, I just don't think it's a good idea to have that extra material, have all that extra material in your wall. Okay, is there? I mean, should I go with quarter inch drywall? Should I go with half inch? Is this regular uh, paneling that's uh, you know like an eighth to a quarter of an inch thick? Yes. Yeah, that should come down fairly quickly once you pull the electrical cover plates off the boxes. You should be able to get that going at the seams and pull that right off. And then uh, just lightly um, sand the walls if there's any imperfections there. And then you can apply new drywall on that. Uh, you could use probably, if you have existing drywall there, you could use 3 eighths inch drywall as your second coat. And if you glued it, um, make sure you, uh, you can, you'll, use, you'll need fewer fasteners, but make sure you overlap the seams. So don't use the same exact seams as exist in the original wall. Does that make sense? Yes. And the original wall, I believe, is the flattened plaster. It's... It's not actual drywall. Oh, plaster lath. Yeah, I would definitely go on top of that. I would not pull down the plaster lath. I've done that job both ways, and it's a lot cleaner if you just go over it. But keep in mind, you're going to have to uh, extend the electrical boxes and perhaps trim around windows and doors and that sort of thing to compensate for the, the additional thickness. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Amy and I was on the line with a question about a dirt basement. Tell us what's going on. Hi. Um, I recently had purchased an old farmhouse, and in the basement it has a, a dirt floor. And I was wondering if I should lay concrete on it or if I could lay that thick plastic and put gravel on top to help with the radon and try to keep some of the heat in there. Do you know that you have a radon problem? Well, I don't. Um they talk about it in Iowa being an issue, and with it being a dirt floor, I didn't know if that was something I should have tested first or go ahead and just lay the plastic in the rock and be... I, I would definitely test because you don't know what you're dealing with. You may have to put stone down and then put a concrete floor and then do a ventilation system where you draw the gas up off from underneath the concrete. So the first thing you have to do is test. So do it yourself or hire somebody and do it right. You know, the testing has to be done under closed building conditions with all the windows and doors closed, except for a normal exit and entry, and find out what you're dealing with. And then, uh, then you know, you can take the appropriate steps after that. But uh, don't just put it down, you know, thinking that if you have a radon problem, it's going to solve it, because, frankly, it may not. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help.
Well, the smart home trend is definitely here to stay. And one quick way that you can get in on it is with your garage door. We learned about how one garage door company is embracing home automation recently at the International Builder Show. Yep. LiftMaster is one of the top brands of professionally installed garage door openers. And I got a chance to talk to Paul Licardo from LiftMaster about what the company is doing to stay on top of a home automation movement. LiftMaster has developed several great new partnerships over the last year with uh, key players in the home automation industry, like Apple, for instance, with their HomeKit, Nest with their learning thermostats, um, as well as security providers like Alarm.com. So I think many people in this industry want to partner together to create the smart home and not have everybody do things separately. And so we are uh, actively looking at partnerships and and ways for consumers and and builders to, to make things easier. Now, one of the first products you came out with was MyQ, MyQ Technology, and MyQ Garage specifically. How did the builders respond to that? Builders are excited about MyQ because it's an opportunity to offer homeowners, home buyers, a less expensive way to automate their homes. It gets them into that sort of smart home zone very quickly and very inexpensively through a product that is ubiquitous, the garage door opener. Everybody has one. Yeah, I love that MyQ allows you to open or close your garage door from anywhere in the world where there's Wi-Fi, and it will also alert you if you leave it open or if it gets opened when nobody's home and it's not supposed to be opened. I mean, it really is like having an extra set of eyes on your house. You can learn more at liftmaster.com and listen to all of our top product podcasts at moneypit.com. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. Hi, Roger from Pennsylvania. You've got Tom and Leslie from the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I was wondering, I live in a house that was built in uh, 1958. It was a model home. Um, I have a crack in the ceiling, and it's hard plaster. I was wondering if there's an epoxy or something I could shoot up in under that and push it up in before it falls down. So is the plaster separating from the plaster laugh, which is uh, between that and the framing? Yeah, just a little wee bit. You can see the crack, and you can see where it's coming down just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because typically, Roger, what I would tell you to do in a situation like that is to not re-glue the plaster, but simply pull it down all the way and then re-plaster it, then prime it and paint it. You know, you could possibly squeeze something like liquid nails in there, but then you'd have to support it while it was drying. But then it's just going to break somewhere else. So if you've got an area of loose plaster like that, I would just tell you to just gently break it out of there and then simply re-spackle that, sand it nicely, then prime it and paint the whole surface. I think it's a much more permanent and cleaner repair in the long run. That's what I was wondering. I can do drywall, but I never did a hard plaster. Yeah, it's not that hard to do. If you can handle spackle, you can handle plaster. You know, remember, a little bit goes a long way. You're better off putting it on in thin coats than putting successive coats on, on top of that. And by the way, a house built in 1958, that was a very good year for home construction. You've probably got excellent Douglas Pine uh, framing in that home. You probably have hard with floors, copper pipes. That was a great year for construction. And if you've got plaster, lath, walls, and ceilings, you know already know they're very hard and very durable. Yeah, they crack once in a while, but uh, you can feel good about the structure of that home. Okay. Yeah, we do have hardwood floors. We're actually uh, redoing them a little bit at a time, and uh, it is all copper. Yeah, the nice thing about those uh, those houses that were built in the, in the late 50s and early 60s is that people put in these beautiful hardwood floors, and they promptly covered them with wall-to-wall carpet. So for like the next 20 or 30 years, they were protected from any wear and tear.
Yeah, that's what happened in here. We're, we're tearing it up room by room. All right, Roger. Good luck with that project. It sounds like a great house. Alan, Idaho is on the line with a crack in a foundation. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. You know, when I first bought the house, uh, a contractor buddy of mine said it was no big deal. He, he gave me some epoxy, said to drill some holes in it, and squirted in there until it mushed out all the way through, and then just go ahead and smooth it off. Well, it didn't seal it, but it's cracked right again beside it. Okay, so you have a crack in the foundation that you filled with you filled with uh, epoxy, and it's continuing to crack. Is that is that the case? Right. How old is your house? Sixty. Is when it was built. All right, so it's concrete block wall or cinder block wall, correct? It's concrete. Now, do you have any drainage issues around the house? Uh, not that I know of. Have you had any moisture in the basement or signs of that? Uh, the only time I've ever had any moisture in the basement is the previous owner drilled a hole in the floor and run the condensate drain to the air conditioner into the floor. All right, that's not the kind of moisture we're concerned about. The reason I ask that question is because it sounds like your wall is a little unstable and that it's continuing to move. And the first thing to do when that happens, if it's not a serious crack, not one where the wall's being displaced, is to make sure that your grading and your drainage conditions are absolutely letter perfect because the more water that soaks around the outside of that house, the more water that comes off gutters and gets discharged against the wall, the weaker that foundation gets. It's kind of like this. When it's rainy and you walk across the uh, a field, you sink into the mud because wet dirt is not as strong as dry dirt. So we want to try to keep the dirt around your house and specifically under your footing as dry as possible. So drainage control is important. Now, beyond that, if this is just um, sort of a hairline crack that's forming, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, the original one was it was a pretty good sized crack. But- well, what I would do if it's a hairline crack is I would fill it with silicone caulk because it will expand and contract and won't, you know, epoxy is pretty stiff if it's going to break and crack through it. So I would just fill it with silicone caulk. That will just keep out some moisture and drafts from coming through it. All right. And now, now if I, uh, if I, if I dig down, I know it doesn't go clear to the footing because I've, I've been down that far. I dug down to see how far it went down. And uh, so dig down and, and uh, suggest maybe tarring it up below grade. I wouldn't go through all that. I mean, right now it's, it's, I would just improve the drainage conditions and seal the crack from the inside where you can. Okay. Hey, is your bathroom looking a bit drab and dingy these days? Well, Tom Silva from TV's This Old House is here with a budget-friendly pick-me-up that makes the perfect weekend project when we return. Hey, this is Jonathan Scott, host of HGTV's Property Brothers. Don't let your home become a real-life money pit. Listen to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show with Tom Kreitler and Leslie Segretti. On the Money Pit Radio Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. 
Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are coming up on one of our biggest annual events here at the Money Pit, the National Hardware Show in Las Vegas. We will be bringing you the inside scoop on the best of the best from our top products pavilion right on the show floor. Now, this is an industry event only, so it's not open to the public, but you get to go behind the curtain with us. You can check out our top products online at moneypit.com and follow along on Twitter with the hashtag TopProductsNHS. Yeah, you know, I know I love the show and Tom loves the show and all the pros out there really love going to the National Hardware Show because we get to bring you the first look at the newest products that manufacturers are getting ready to roll out for the new seasons. For example, Krylon has a really fantastic new spray paint called CoverMax. And what's really cool about this paint is that it dries in 10 minutes or less, and it has excellent adhesion to wood, metal, even plastic, which is why they say Krylon CoverMax is where color meets performance. Check it out online with our top products gallery and follow us at Money Pit on Twitter. Well, grout is the material that you use to fill your spaces between tiles. And when it looks dirty or drab, it can drag down the look of an entire room. Well, the good news is cleaning or replacing weathered grout has an equally powerful effect on a space. Here to tell us how to do it the right way is Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So let's start by determining whether you should clean the grout or replace it completely. Is it ever possible that the grout's just so dirty it's not worth it? Absolutely. Lots of times you want to replace the grout, you'll see signs of it's falling out in areas that get a lot of movement, usually against the back splash on a countertop, it starts to get loose in there because of different expansion and contraction. So structurally, too, it could be falling apart. But if you do want to clean it, does the choice of cleaner really depend on the type of tile you're dealing with? It sure does. Let's say, for example, a glazed tile. Well, a glazed tile, you may want to opt for a commercial cleaner and a bristle brush or non-metallic scouring pad. Right. Put the cleaner on there and you're just going to scrub it really well. Because that tile can really stand up to it. Yeah, exactly. It's tough stuff. Unglazed tile or as a natural cleaner is a better way to go because the tile isn't as tough. You can use a baking soda and water, mix it up as a paste and put it on there, apply and then use a softer brush to clean it. And then there's a natural stone. You don't want to use any acid cleaners at all. They could damage the surface of the marble, the granite, or any travertine or anything that's around it. So you've got to be careful of that. So with all of these, good idea to maybe start small and see how it goes and before you start spreading the cleaner on the entire surface. <laughs> it's always good to try an area that's not so obvious yeah. at first to make sure you don't ruin anything. Now, are there any tips to a successful cleaning job? Because, you know, sometimes you want to make a paste and let it sit on there and draw out the dirt. You know, is there a good trick of the trade here? I guess the only trick I can say is take your time, make sure you use the right material, and if you're unsure, ask somebody. Yeah, because you don't want to do it twice or ruin the tile. ruin it. Then you're going to have to drag out all the grout and replace it. Now, if the grout is dragging out on its own, (laughs) falling falling apart, and we end up having to replace that grout, it seems like it could be a challenge to get all the old stuff out. How do you approach that project? Well, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can cut it out with a saw, a grout saw with a very thin blade. You got to be careful of that because you don't want to cut the tile. Now, is that a hand tool, a grout saw, or is it a power tool? It's a power tool. They have a battery-operated saw that you can get in there and cut it. Okay. Another tool is an oscillating saw. You can actually hit it with your finger and you won't be cut, but it will cut the grout. Oh, interesting. Pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. Then they also have a little tool. It looks like a utility knife, Okay. but it has a flat blade, and you just drag it back and forth on the grout. That seems like a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would probably be good if you're getting into kind of the nooks and the cranks. 
crannies, you know, up, up against yeah, the wall. Yeah, hard to get spots like and yeah. stuff like that. But you can drag it, and they also have one that's just a hook, and you can get in there and drag the grout. But you got to be careful that you don't damage the tire with any of those. This all sounds like teeth flossing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's another chore in itself. Now, if you're going to uh, re-grout, you got to decide now what kind of grout you want to go back in with, and you can choose sanded or unsanded. How would you determine the difference? By the thickness of your grout line. Okay. The thinner the grout line, the harder it's going to be to get a sanded grout into it. So that's when you want to choose an unsanded grout. Because the sand is sort of like the filler, and I generally think of that for like a floor when you've got a bigger tile with a bigger joint. Exactly, exactly. And all you want is a unsanded. It's really like a peanut butter, and mm. you just right. push it right in there. And it will fill up that joint nicely. Any tricks for when you're reapplying that grout? You know, so often you get a haze as you're cleaning off all of the remnants of the grout and that haze sort of reappears. Do you address that right away? Do you let it sort of set up a little bit? Because I've seen haze not disappear. Yeah, well, you just keep wiping it. The biggest problem is, is you're using a dirty sponge and dirty water. Mm -hmm. The little trick that I've used over the years is you put your grout in, let it set a little bit, don't let it set too long, wipe it with a clean sponge, change the water a couple of times, and then get a piece of burlap, and then wipe the whole wall down with a burlap Hmm. bag, and then it just falls right off, and then clean sponge again, a couple more times, and you're in business. Now, once you're all done, do you recommend sealing the grout? You can seal the grout, depends on if in an area that needs to be sealed, like, for example, the back of a stove or a range where it can get dirty, but it's tricky. You want to make sure you only seal the grout and not the tile. Good advice. Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Thank you so much for stopping by and brightening up our day with some tips on grout cleaning. Always a pleasure. All right, catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Up next, warmer weather is just about here. Do you have the lawn and garden to go with it? We'll have tips to make sure your yard is the greenest ever after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And now that it's getting nicer outside, you probably want to spend less time cleaning and more time doing the things you love. That's right. Let the new Brillo Sweep and Mop help. It's got three-in-one technology, which will not only eliminate the need for a separate broom and a separate mop, it actually means no more getting on your hands and knees just to get your floor clean. Now, one caller that we talked to this hour is going to get to experience for themselves the super fun and really thorough cleaning job that the Brillo Sweep and Mop will do. We are giving away a Brillo prize pack, and it does include that Sweep and Mop. It's prize pack worth $50. Could be yours if we answer your question on the air. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit. Heidi in North Carolina is on the line with an electrical problem. How can we help you today? Well, I have a kind of a two-part question. I have an older home. It's about 68 years old. Um, We paid an electrician to come in when we converted over to a heat pump from an oil furnace um, to up our service. And um, we have an old 
fuse box that are the screw-in type fuses. And when he put the system in the new um, um, electrical box, he was supposed to convert everything over into the new electrical box. And he left the little electrical box, the little fuse box in my kitchen. And unfortunately, he put the new electrical box on the outside of my house. I would be okay, except I'm a single woman and I don't, you know, safety reasons, I don't think it's really smart, considering I have a full-size basement that could easily be put in. So do I need to, I mean, I would never call this guy again um, for lots of reasons, but do I need to pay somebody else to come in and convert that last part of my home into this other fuse box or... Um, you know, these little fuses are hard to find, and, you know, when they blow... So it's definitely an active panel, right, the fuse panel? Oh, it's active, yes, sir. Okay. So that's called a sub-panel, and that's going to be a, a sub-panel from the main panel. You said the main panel is now in the basement, or the main panel is outside? It's outside. We have a full basement, and why he put it outside, I have no clue, but he put yeah. the main panel... Yeah, that makes no sense, because the only time you usually see full panels outside is maybe a condominium situation, and then they're in utility closets. So I can't imagine why that was done that way. It, it doesn't make sense. It sounds to me like you do need a better electrician to come in and take care of this. If it makes you feel any better, the fact that you have a fuse box does not mean that it's unsafe. Fuses are actually quite safe if it's the right size fuse matched against the wire that's hooked up to that circuit. And so to know if that's the case, somebody has to open the panel and say, okay, this is number 14 wire, so it's a 15 amp fuse, and this is number 12 wire, so it's a 20 amp fuse, and so on, and physically write that like right above the fuse on the panel so you know what size to put in there. Because it's too easy with a fuse box to put in a 20 amp fuse on a wire that's only rated for 15 amps, then of course that's potentially unsafe. So it does sound like you need another electrician. It's obviously not a do-it-yourself project. And unless there's some compelling code reason in your part of the country to put that outside, I don't understand why they would have done that. And, you know, you could you could consider rerunning it back to the inside. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. It's not an easy fix. It's one that's going to require uh, the investment of a good electrician. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, are you ready to put winter behind you and get going for a lush spring lawn? Before you bust out the garden gear, we've got some advice on exactly what to do for a great-looking yard with this week's Lawn and Garden Tip presented by Vigoro. As part of a well-designed and maintained landscape, a full green lawn increases a home's property value by 15 to 20 percent. In spring, you're going to get a lot of growth. This is the perfect time to put down your first round of fertilizer. Fertilizer will add nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium to soil where these naturally occurring nutrients have been depleted. Now, the key to applying fertilizer is to cover every inch of your lawn evenly. You want to use a spreader and make sure not to overlap the rows too much. Fertilizer should also be applied every eight weeks during a lawn's active growing season. And that's your lawn and garden tip presented by Vigoro. With Vigoro's lawn fertilizers with Assurance Particle Technology, the particles are now smaller and more uniform and covers more evenly. And best of all, it's green in 72 hours. With Vigoro, you'll also get the even feeding, even greening, no burn guarantee. Vigoro offers high-quality lawn and garden products at the ultimate value. Find the entire Vigoro line only at the Home Depot, including Vigoro weed and feed products, also with Assurance Particle Technology. Visit homedepot.com to learn more. Clyde in Missouri is on the line and needs some help with a water heater. What can we do for you? I'm adding a room on in my house, and the uh, water heater, I've got the electric... 30 gallon and it's 
taking up too much room I don't have to spare. And my question is, is one of those inline uh, water heaters, would that be advisable for a resident? You mean on-demand, tankless water heater? Yeah. The problem is that you have electric. You, do you have gas there, natural gas or propane? No, I can I can get propane, all right. I don't have a tank. If you want to have an on-demand, tankless water heater, you need to have that be fossil fuel with either natural gas or propane. There are electric on-demand systems, but they're very expensive to use, and I don't think there's any any efficiency in going with that. So if you want to have propane added to the house, you could consider uh, an, a, a tankless water heater. Now, if you want to go back with what you do have now, of course, you are going to need the room, but you could save some cost if you put a timer on that water heater so that it only heats water when you need it. I mean, technically, you only need it a few hours in the morning and a few hours in the evening, all day long, it'll stay warm for, you know, hand washing and that sort of thing. And then it can be off in the middle of the night, and that actually cuts the energy costs associated with heating the water. Uh-huh. Well, I've got a timer on it now, but I haven't been using it because I well, really couldn't yeah. figure out the right time to be doing it. It seemed like it was always cold when I needed hot and hot when I didn't need it. So, <laughs> you know. Well, they've got a deal. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, they only work, the timers only work well if your family's on a regular schedule where you can really rely on it for certain hours of the day. But if your schedule varies a bit, then maybe not so much. So those are your options, though. Well, good home design is all about having focal points, but scuff marks on your floor shouldn't be one of them. We're going to tell you how to get those scuffs up without causing more damage when the money pit continues. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The Money Pit is presented by Quick Crate Concrete and Cement Products. Quick Crate, what America's made of. Like us on Facebook and visit online at www.quickcrate.com for product information and easy step-by-step project videos. Where home solutions live, this is The Money Pit, home improvement radio show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, if you can't remember that home improvement advice you heard while you're driving, you can find it online at moneypit.com. Just search by topic. You'll find transcripts from all our past shows. You can also subscribe to The Money Pit Podcast while you're there. Just click on the radio and podcast section of the homepage, and you can listen to The Money Pit when it's good for you. It's all online at moneypit.com. All right, and you can post a question just like James from I. Iowa did, who writes, I rearranged my living room last week. It looks great, except for the scuffs left behind from moving that furniture. How do I remove them from the wood laminate floor without damaging it further? Well, it's funny because a scuff mark, I mean, if he's talking about a proper scuff mark and not some sort of scratch, a scuff mark is just really like a leftover of rubber or paint from the two materials, you know, sort of rubbing against one another. And truly the best thing that you can do to get rid of them is if you pick up a magic eraser and you can find them at the supermarket. It's by Mr. Clean. It's white. It looks like a sponge. 
there's ones for heavy duty application. There's ones for cleaning the bathroom. I don't know what's on it. I don't know how it works. But it works. <laughs> yeah. You get it wet and you rub it on whatever the problem is and it's gone. And you don't want it to be too wet. You kind of just have to dampen it, but like wring out the rest of the water. And you can use it to get rid of scuff marks on the floor, you know, any sort of scuff mark on a wall from moving a piece of furniture, you know, or when you're hanging a piece of art or you brush up against something and it kind of rubs against the wall and makes the same sort of scuff mark. They're amazing. They get your sneakers clean. Uh, you can find a thousand things to do with the magic eraser, and that will do the trick for you, James. All right. Jennifer writes from Cincinnati and says, are there any problems associated with having a whole house surge suppressor, individual surge suppressor, backup battery, and standby generator all working at the same time? Well, first of all, it sounds like Jennifer is covered six ways from Sunday against a power failure. Seriously. At every piece of equipment imaginable there in Cincinnati. But I will say that in my experience, there can be conflicts between individual surge suppressors and backup batteries. But I don't see conflicts between these and a standby generator. In fact, the standby generator should really be your first line of defense. You really want to look at the technical details and sort of the fine print of the backup battery and the surge suppressor to discover if there could be potential conflicts. But I have personally experienced conflicts between those two devices. They don't seem to get along because, frankly, they do they have sort of an overlapping service. You know, they're, they're monitoring the quality of the electrical power. And if they both sense the problem, they're both going to react to the problem, and that causes them to be in conflict with one another. But the first step is really the standby generator. So if you've got that, you are good to go. All right, now we've got one from Mike in Boston. He writes, I'm in the process of refreshing my kitchen and intend to paint walls that were previously wallpapered. Thanks to a steamer, the paper's coming down pretty nicely with just a few spots where the backing paper has come off the sheetrock. Once it's all down, what's the best way to prep the walls for paint? I intend to use a matte finish, probably a light tan color. Well, you're smart to use a matte finish because the paint surface will no doubt be not quite as smooth as it would be if it was new work, and matte tends to hide a lot. But first off, you are clearly smart to use the steamer. It's the easiest way to remove wallpaper. But the next step is to touch up any areas where the sheetrock is damaged and then prime all of the walls with a good primer. And you want to use a latex or an oil-based primer. It's going to seal in the surfaces, give you a nice great base upon which to add your top coat of paint. And then once you apply that paint, you will have a brand new room to admire. Yeah, Mike, make sure you take some pictures and post them on our Facebook page. We'd love to see successful projects and not so successful ones too, so we can help. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pit.